Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast. I am your host, Ian Altman. This week, I'm joined by Sean Farrell. Sean is the CEO of QDS. If you listen back to episodes years ago, we profiled Sean's company. And as they continue to just really realize some remarkable growth and achieve some pretty interesting accomplishments, I thought it's a story that's worth sharing about not only business growth, but how they've engaged non-salespeople to help grow their business. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, Ian, it's great to be back. Uh, always enjoy talking to you, and uh, it's going to be fun to talk about uh, the success we've had. You know what? So uh, give people a little bit of background of like when you started down this same side selling journey, what was the size and reach of the company versus where it is today? And you can give people a little context as to the markets that you serve and you know the types of clients who you guys take care of. Yeah, I mean, our um, our company was founded by my father in 1983. I came into our business in 2003. We were roughly a $2 million revenue business with around 15 to 20 people. We had you come in for a workshop probably 2005, 2006, just to give us some, some framework and process as we were trying to grow and just didn't really have uh, much of that established. We had people doing it their own way. And uh, as a company that has very much focused on integrity and is doing what is right for the client, your system aligned very well with how we wanted to operate as a business. We had a, a good run of success. And then I think this go around, we had you come back um, about six, six to nine months ago as our team has grown uh, probably by three or four folds since your original workshop. And at a different size scale, we did about 25 million in revenue last year. And we are on target, on pace to try to hit 50 million over the next three years. So just really wanted to differentiate ourselves in the market, go back to how we deliver results and be client results focused. And we've had a ton of success. And uh, now that you have the Academy, which was not uh, available previously, uh, it has really streamlined our efforts to do role play and just get that constant reinforcement, uh, which our team has greatly benefited from. So talk about that a little bit, because I think it's something that I try to I try to beat into people's heads the importance of role play and practice. What are you seeing with your team? Yeah, I mean, you do it in such a great way. And uh, as a former athlete, I really enjoy it because it's like, yeah, I mean, you you clearly don't want to make mistakes uh, in front of your peers where it's a safe area. You really want to mess up that big deal in front of your client. Why would you want to practice? So it puts it in almost that you know hand on forehead, why are we not doing this? And so I think our team really bought into that. I, as our leader, really put that in their expectations that, look, we, we are going to role play an hour a week. We're going to roll through these things and we're going to practice it because it became very apparent that I was the one that was in all of the meetings as the leader. And maybe each of the reps wasn't as frequently rolling through those talk tracks and might have had some some rust on that. So now Every week they get together, they're using the card game, they're role-playing scenarios, the pyramid, a lot of the things that we have uh, as new tools. And lo and behold, we've gotten pretty good at it. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, go figure. And one of the things that I think is really worth talking about is 
you've taken an approach to engage people who weren't historically in sales. So hiring people from industry and putting them in sales roles. So tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, we've recruited, you know, a lot of different types of sales folks with mixed results. And, um, you know, really, we've got some top performers now that come from the operation side. And I, I forgot to cover it earlier, but we sell to financial institutions, banks, and credit unions. And so two of our top performers are operations ladies background. And so they have rolled out this type of technology. They've had to implement policies and procedures. They understand the real world value. So then it was just, hey, these are the types of things that have benefited your organizations. Would you like to go tell others about it so that it can have an impact on their organization and you can help drive best in class results for their bank or credit union? And so a lot of that has just been learning sales process and dang, why don't people call us back? And it's different on this side of the desk, but I think really thrilling for those individuals coming out of operations with a non-sales background as to, wow, this is a lot of fun. Well, and the, and the cool part that I want you to touch on is this. So many times I'll talk to organizations like, oh, we need people who have been in sales for years. And I'll say to them, you know what? You don't, you need people who understand the industry, who can bring some subject matter expertise and it doesn't take that long for people to ramp up. So I, I think, I think as you said, I think the program we did was probably about maybe eight months ago or something like that. And I know you had one person who had basically just started coming from industry. So what's that right. journey been like and how is she performing now compared to the rest of the people in your sales organization? Yeah, I mean, so so one of our newest hire uh, came from the the industry, and she has probably the largest pipeline of opportunity in front of her. Certainly, as early on in a tenure in an organization as we've ever had. So that that is just a great sign of one of our goals as a company is to be the best educator in our space, and we pride ourselves on proper and best-in-class implementation. Well, in my opinion, neither of those are traditional sales functions. So it's it has really helped these operationally focused ladies of, look, it's, it's not techniques and trickery. It's more about getting to the truth and helping our clients understand how they can get the results they're looking for. And we have been blessed that a lot of the challenges in the industry are types of technology help address. And we have ladies that have implemented it. So it just, it's such a natural fit. And again, neither of them had sales background. So it's just, it, I speaks perfectly to your point. And how, how are they doing compared to the rest of the team? I mean, it's not a competition, but in sales, people will often say to me, yeah, but if I hire these people who aren't traditionally in sales, they're never going to do as well as the the people who've been in sales their whole life. Yeah, so um, we have a team today of roughly seven. One of our ladies has been back and forth, number one, number two, um, and had, I think she was number two overall last year with a really, really strong Q4 as well. Um, and our newest lady started again in January. We are now in May at the filming of this. And so she's kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of booked revenue, but has 
probably the best pipeline of opportunities of anyone on the team in a very short amount of time. So again, industry connections, expertise on technology and demand. So it's it's really just giving her the tools to engage in the proper way. Yeah, and one of, one of my favorite things is that because I have an opportunity to interact with them each month in the coach's corner, um, one, of, one of them said recently, uh, I said, well, so how do you feel about the, this approach to selling? And she said, and this was when I know that month because one of one of her colleagues, one of your other employees, said, "Oh yeah, she's number one right now. She's she's beating me, and it's a guy who has historically been number one." And she said, "Well, I don't feel like I'm selling anything." <laughs> she said, "Like I don't feel like I'm selling at all. I'm just helping people solve issues that I used to face when I was in their shoes." And I think that something gets lost on a lot of people. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, again, our. Our main desire is to help clients be successful. And our culture is really built around we are winning if our clients are winning, which sadly to this day and age is kind of a differentiator. There are a lot of companies that they have their numbers they have to hit and their goal is to sell everything they possibly can. And that's not really what this our culture and your program is built around. It is really around helping people there are institutions for us that may not be a fit and we are okay with that but those whom we are a fit for we have helped them achieve you know more than success at times and they have been uh you know able to differentiate themselves from their peers in their market so that that to me is what real winning looks like is here's the problems and the challenges they are having to deal with and we want to be the best in the industry at solving those problems and giving them the best results they can get, oftentimes more than they even plan for. Yep, that's which which is which is what it all comes down to. Our clients want results; they don't want to buy something. They want to achieve success, achieve results. And when you're aligned with that, it works really well. Now, I want to I want to shift the focus a little bit to historically your involvement in deals as the organization was growing versus where you see your role over the next couple of years as you grow from 25 million to 50 million. And by the way, my understanding is you're on your way to have a pretty significant year this year already with the team that you have, and you're gonna, you're gonna take a big bite out of that $50 million target this year. If you wanna get top results for your team, take a look at the Same Side Selling Academy. Just visit samesideselling.com to learn more. Yes, uh, we, we are off to a, a good start, potentially ahead of pace. But yeah, I mean, our our previous operating model had been, you know, a lot of the team was finding opportunities and Sean would come in, do maybe 90% of the, of the presenting and helping people close deals. And as we got to wanting to scale the business, that was one of the primary reasons I brought you in is we need a way to systematize this approach. And since we did that roughly eight months ago, I went from probably 90%, 80% involved in deals to maybe 10, 20% involved in deals. So because of the role play, because of the system, because of how we continue to teach and empower them to be successful, it has worked and it's just it's it's such a blessing to see that come forward of you know we have an automated uh, not an automated we have a technology platform for e signature 
And it's nice to see deals come in that have signed. And it's like, huh, like, I think I approved that a couple weeks ago. Like, haven't even really had to engage in that whatsoever. So the team has really adopted that. They have taken on the mantle of really trying to not involve me as much as possible as I've continued to grow in my CEO role. So it's just kind of been a win-win scenario of because the system is in place, because they are constantly working on themselves, because they participate in Coach's Corner, results are happening and I don't have to be involved. And it's just it's kind of like you draw it up as a leader. <laughs> well, and and so and, and that's exactly what, you know, everybody says, here's what we want. We want to grow faster. I want to have less involvement. I want more autonomy with my team. I want to have a consistent process, which is something that you've achieved through the discipline of we're going to role play. We're going to be involved in the coach's corner. We're going to go through the academy. I know that you're monitoring people's progress. So you're tracking are people doing this or aren't they? Are they engaged in same signed improv for, for role play? And it's funny because the top performing companies, they say what you said, which is, well, so for an hour a week, we, we do same side improv and we role play. And for people who aren't performing, they'll say, well, so when people say they do it every week, like how many weeks do they typically do it? And you're like, no, no, it's every week. Like, it's not like you, you can't kind of practice. Like you either do or you don't. And that's it. It's kind of like Yoda, do or do not. There is no try, right? So, um, you know, we want to get to that element of it. And the, and the results just speak. I mean, it becomes like anything. I think it's Malcolm Gladwell's like 10,000 hours principle. But I mean, as a former athlete, it just goes back to the extra work pays off and the, the practice and the repetition of not being surprised in a customer meeting when you get an objection that you hadn't planned for because, a week ago or two weeks ago or three weeks ago, you role played that exact objection around status quo or, hey, what we don't understand the pricing model or whatever it is. You've now rehearsed that. You've even observed. I know we've talked about this of the highest value role in that role play it may not be being the quote unquote salesperson. It may be being the observer watching the role play and go, huh. That's not how I would have approached that, but now I've learned something in how my teammate approached that, and that's something that I can work into my approach. So again, I think our team func has gotten tighter knit because they're listening to each other more and being able to strategize better across the group as opposed to one-on-one -on -one with Sean or one-on-one -on -one in their own meeting. So that's a great uh, side benefit, I would say. That's fabulous. So then, and the last point that, that I want you to touch on is this. I often explain to people, I'll say, look, part of the idea of same side selling is figuring out who are the clients who are the best fit for you? Who are the ones who value the things that you value as an organization and which clients just aren't a fit right now? And people often are skeptical about that. They say, well, if I'm ruling out deals early in the process and I'm walking away from opportunities, I'm not going to be able to grow. What are you guys seeing in terms of killing deals early? versus investing time in, in the good deals. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I would say one of the pitfalls of traditional salespeople is they get happy ears when someone asks for a proposal. And the reality is maybe greater than 50% of the time that is a, this is a way for me to get my salesperson out of the room. Um, so I think our team has worked very hard at the quadrants and again, qualifying people 
and asking tougher questions. And I believe it's probably the importance category that has really helped our team rank the effort of, you know, if it's not an eight, nine or 10, like it may not be getting done this year. And then asking that back to the customer of, hey, that's that's perfectly fine if this is a five on your radar and you've got six other projects going on. It sounds like this may be more of a 2024 thing than a 2023 thing. I don't think we would have asked those questions prior to going back through the process, which means we would have had a proposal out there. We would have been up in the never ending follow-up loop of, hey, Ian, just checking in again on this proposal you asked for that you really didn't care about. You were just trying to get me out of your office. So I think our team has been able to really focus. And yes, because our deals have gotten larger, it has allowed us to focus not only sales resources, but also internal resources on the deals that are the right fit, both for their, the customer and us as a business to deliver great results and a great experience. Uh, I, I think one of, the, one of the things that I love about your story is that just about every banker credit union you've ever worked with is a referenceable account. So you're so committed to delivering results that just about anybody you've touched says, oh yeah, I would totally vouch for these people that did amazing work. The other thing that I think is phenomenal is that there are things that you've done as a business through this through this charitable organization, this foundation that serves the community. So talk a little bit about that because oftentimes people say, oh, here's a business and they're just growing and growing. But what I love is that not only are you delivering great value for your customers, not only are you creating an environment for your team to grow, but you're also helping the community. So talk a little bit about that too. I appreciate that. That's that's kind of a tough concept to talk about, but you know, we we operate here at QDS as, as a faith-based business. And one of our goals has been to, I'll call it essentially tithe our profits. So we talk a lot about we want to be a great business so that we can give more money back to those in our community. So it's been a for me, it's fun to have those conversations with CEOs of credit unions to say, you know what? Your market has been very good for us. This has been a great partnership between our organizations. We would like to donate 50, 100 grand to helping solve a problem in your market. Do you think we could come together, the three of us or the four of us you know, in this market and truly have a lasting impact to your community? And so that's a little unique. And certainly, you know, a lot of our community bank and credit union people have strong foundations and community service arms of their institution. That's why they exist in their community. So it's just been a little bit of a differentiator of that is why we want to be successful is ultimately so if we are profitable and effective, we can do more to give back. And so as my dad, who I know you know well, uh, transitioned out of our business last July, you know, he runs our 501c3 Lionheart Charities and he gets to spend every day, every week, looking for ways that we can impact the community for the greater good. And so it's it's a lot of fun to have that as part of our culture. It's a lot of fun for our employees to understand that if we are successful as a business and we help our clients be successful, the communities in which we live, work, worship are better off because QDS exists. So that's, that's awesome. And when we first started working together, you guys basically served North Carolina and around Charlotte. What's the geography that you guys cover today? 
Yeah, so I think when you walked in our office, we were the Carolinas and we may have had one or two accounts in Tennessee. And today uh, we service about 12 or 13 states. So the true Southeast plus up, we've expanded up the mid-Atlantic up to as far north as Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Um, so again, it's it's not growth for growth's sake, but we wanna help as many people as we can and word of mouth, again, going back to your point earlier of, if you are consistently getting clients those results, it's very much like many businesses, a word of mouth business. And if you're going to be using this technology, you really got to work with QDS and they are so focused on being great partners, helping you understand metrics. And it's it's still surprising to me, and this is another fun part of the sales process, is how many clients don't have a strategy or even if we are willing to help, help them be successful they don't always have those KPIs ready to say, what does success look like? So we can even bring that value to the table and say, here are typical results that our clients have been after and have been getting. Are any of those resonating with you? And yeah, they say, well, we'd like all of those. Okay, well, we'll, we'll work on that. <clears throat> it's, it's fascinating that when I speak to groups of CEOs, and we talk about the idea of focusing on results and someone asking, what does success look like? What are we going to measure six months down the road? You know, People often smile and I say, so what percentage of your vendors when they're selling to you have ever asked you a question like that? And the universal answer is something below 1%. So if you're focused on results and no one else is, you're going to stand out. So Sean, what's the best way for people to learn more about the cool stuff you guys are doing at QDS? Yeah, so uh, you can certainly check us out at our website, which is qualitydatasystems.com. Uh, we also have Lionheart if you're interested in giving back. We have the 501c3, which is lionheartcharities.com. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so feel free to hit me up with a connection request and say you heard me on the podcast. So uh, Sean Farrell, again, at QDS. Uh, so we're both company and personal on LinkedIn. So uh, we'd love to connect, see if we can be of value. And uh, I love talking about leadership and sales process and communication. So happy to do any of that stuff on the side as well. Sean, fantastic. Now, you know that when you hit 50 million, we're going to have you back on the podcast. So I figure <laughs> that'll be about six months from now. <laughs> yeah, let's, we'll, do, we'll do that at your country club on the on the golf course, right? We'll play 18 and uh, record another podcast. Absolutely. We'll do, we'll do it on the, 18th, on the 18th green. That's where we'll do the podcast. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Sean, great talking to you. All right, thanks so much, Ian.